From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. It's me, it's Mike, it's Mike Davidson lives. Thank you for downloading this podcast as I'm recording. A week out from Christmas, uh, excited, got most of everything done. Oh, and happy Hanukkah to the Jewish listeners out there as it just started at sundown a few hours back and on the Mike Davidson Facebook page as uh, per the usual tradition on this page I, I posted the the live SNL version of the Hanukkah song from Adam Sandler complete with the late great Norm MacDonald introducing him and outroing him uh, the, you know the great Sandu as he called him <laughs> love that song goofy as hell but just uh, a, a nice thing that Adam Sandler did. Again, uh, the uh, uh, the recipient of the Mark Twain Comedy Award coming up. So, again, kudos to him. Um, by the way, when I was out Christmas shopping yesterday, I was, you know, taking care of the family. I did get myself a Christmas present, and I got myself a Hanukkah present. Even though I'm not Jewish, uh, I was at Barnes & Noble, looked down at a table, and lo and behold, staring back at me, a paperback copy of It's All About Me. And it's the autobiography of Mel Brooks. And as a, as a huge fan of both him and Carl Reiner, yeah, I, I had to get that book for myself, man. That's uh, that's next on my reading list. And hopefully I can get to that uh, sometime between Christmas and New Year's. I'm looking forward to reading that book. Uh, pretty good mood. Um, a few tech glitches earlier this afternoon, but it is in the can. Or I should say they are in the can uh, was doing to do, uh, and I did successfully record with uh, Mr. Steve Raznazzi, the uh, Year in Review, Year of Rock uh, special for the Christmas weekend. I uh, was kind of on the fence about what to do for New Year's weekend because I was like, well, I don't really have anything lined up, uh, and I don't want to do uh, a podcast on a holiday weekend. I was that, that was the point of Christmas is so I can enjoy Christmas. Uh, but we went so long, we went about an hour, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I can break these up into two segments, you know, I have the first one drop Christmas weekend, and the other one New Year's weekend, and if I'm feeling up to it, you know, midweek next week, cut another podcast, uh, but it, it was a fun thing, and I, I was uh, actually kind of glad it was just me and him, not a knock at anybody else, I mean, it's hard enough to uh, schedule somebody uh, to, to get a podcast, let alone multiple people, Um but uh, the, the flow of the conversation was great, and I got enough material, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to doing that in the future specials where I'm just kind of riffing with people about things. But um, I, I, I hope you enjoy it. It's, it's pretty much just a conversation between two friends about the state of rock music, and you, you'll hear more about it, again, uh, part one, in a couple of episodes. Um, speaking of episodes, saw the first episode of The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. It's been out for a while, but... Uh, uh, the behind-the-scenes making of The Godfather. Uh, so far, not bad, but uh, it was Matthew Good, British actor, just knocking it out of the park playing Robert Evans, uh, the studio exec, the producer, very flamboyant, very drunk, very womanizing, uh, but very creative and good. Uh, you know, kind of a shoot-from-the-hip type of guy. Um, you know, and he was very instrumental in getting The Godfather made, and it turned out to be one of the greatest movies ever made. And uh, if it's not in your top three, uh, you need to watch more movies. Um, but Matthew Good is great as uh, as Robert Evans. A, a lot of fun watching him kind of chew the scenery. And, and by the way, for uh, for you Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad fans, Bob Odenkirk uh, with Saul Goodman 
borrowed a little bit of the mannerisms from Robert Evans because he was legendary for being uh, outspoken and uh, a, a little bit sleazy, if there's a lack of a better term. Uh, but um, I, I, hopefully I can finish this up before uh, cr- uh, Christmas weekend. Uh, probably knock out an episode each night. It's kind of hard to do it with the kids around. Probably going to be watching a lot more streaming now that I know that the cold season is pretty much done. Unfortunately, there is technically, uh, what, doing the math in my head, three more games. It's been a long, this this is the reason why I was not a big fan of the uh, uh, 17-game season. You should keep it at 16 just because if you got a bad team, it just goes on forever. Didn't get a chance to watch the Vikings game um, yesterday afternoon. I don't have NFL Network, but mother-in-law does. And I had to get Christmas stuff done. And since it was a Saturday game, I was just like, all right, I'll just DVR and watch it later. Checked my phone at halftime, 33-0 Colts. And I'm like, holy hell, I might actually watch this game and enjoy it. And then I checked my phone again like uh, two hours later, and I was like, oh, this this is not surprising. Um, let me put it to you this way. There's one thing specifically wrong with the Colts, and it's this. Jim Irsay needs to stop making football decisions, period. He needs to hire a director of football operations like he had with Bill Pulley. He needs somebody that knows what they're doing because Jim doesn't. Uh, general manager Chris Ballard doesn't. This team's a wreck, and it doesn't matter what quarterback you have. Very pointless to fire Frank Reich. Uh, and I think I'll talk more about that next podcast a little bit. More more wider scope of the NFL. Because uh, I was reading an interesting article before the start of this. But I want to hold off on that. But basically, uh, Jim Mercy needs to stop making decisions. But like I said, uh, everything's uh, ready for Christmas, man. Excited. Uh, kind of excited. Um, the way my, uh, my schedule looks is like, you know, obviously Saturday and Sunday I'm off. And then Monday after Christmas I get off. They might have to reschedule that because of... Uh, Snowpocalypse 2022 uh, ending the season. It looks like there will be a white Christmas uh, in northeast Indiana. Uh, definitely will be very cold next weekend. Like historically cold is what some meteorologists are calling for. Um, brutal, brutally cold. And it does look like there will be some snow. But the thing is, is like with any snowstorm, uh, it could be a couple of inches. Uh, it could be a foot of snow. <laughs> it could be a lot of things. Depends on how this thing tracks. It looks like, as of this uh, of this podcast, it looks like it'll take a direct hit to Fort Wayne and uh, up through Detroit and all that. But it could change. That's what snowstorms do. So uh, we'll know more in the coming days. Uh, I told my wife and my mother-in-law, hey, uh, get anything you need to get done Wednesday. Don't, and I'm not saying this to, you know, you can go out and buy like half a dozen loaves of bread and 12 gallons of milk. I'm just saying, if you got stuff to do like Christmas shopping, like grocery shopping, maybe don't put that off um, any later than you have to. I got everything I needed to get done done, so very happy about that. Uh, okay, so big story that happened Friday, uh, and I didn't get a chance to see it until I got home very, very late Friday. Long day Friday. Um, Mayor Tom Henry, as you know, uh, here in Fort Wayne, got popped for being popped couple months back, um, he was driving a city vehicle back from a, a fundraising event with his uh, wife and I believe his mother-in-law in the back of the car. Uh, damn near wrecks the um, hit, hits another driver head-on. Nobody seriously hurt, but the cops were called, and um, he blew a .157. He went to jail and, of course, uh, you know, had all of his court costs covered and everything. 
This was a story I was both wrong and right about because I was wrong in assuming that the uh, the body cam footage from the cops would never see the right light of day. But what I would, and it's on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, by the way. Um, but I was also right in that what the reason was behind not wanting that video footage to get shown. It was, you know, if it was a simple matter of him, like, falling down trying to do a balancing test, or he pees himself, or says something stupid, you know, like a stupid joke, that'd be one thing. But the things he was saying on the body cam, pretty bad. And if you're a, a police officer in the Fort Wayne Police Department, you kind of have to have a little bit of a low morale when it comes to this guy who wants to run again as mayor. Basically, he was trying to get the names of these cops, and he says, uh, along the lines is, you're going to regret this, or I'll remember this. And he's getting mad at them for not taking his uh, sick wife home. You know, this uh, getting her home safely. This guy who uh, was driving recklessly with her in the car and pulling a point one five seven, um, And it's, it's laughable. And I... It, and it's a good thing nobody got hurt, but good God, this this is basically a power trip. This this isn't like a Freudian slip. This isn't like a bad jo joke gone wrong. This is a guy that felt entitled and thought that he was the boss of these cops, and he felt pissed that he had to sit in a holding cell. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you drive drunk. Ask anybody um, that has ha gotten caught drunk driving drunk. I mean, it's not like you get your choice of it, but then again, not everybody's a mayor of a town. Now, it kind of goes in hand in hand uh, with personal political beliefs that I have. This is not me ragging on Democrats exclusively here. Uh, we there, there's some lushes in the GOP, I've been told. Um, but it's it's kind of why I'm a big proponent of term limits for any office and cycling in new blood because I, I believe Mayor Henry's been at it for four terms now. He wants to do a fifth. He's in his 70s. It's um, it, it, it's kind of like how some media pundits chided Donald Trump uh, back in 2016 when he would say stuff like, I alone can fix this. Yeah, it sounds pompous, but when you've got people like Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell going back to D.C. year in and year out, it's not because they're humble public servants. It's because they, they love the power and they also love the money. Uh, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, uh, and we as humans are very, very fallible to it. I, if I went to Washington multiple terms, uh, it, would hard for, it would be hard for me to be a Puritan because you're going right into the lion's den. And people don't give you money so you can tell them no. Right? But that that's that's kind of true on a local level too. And Mayor Tom Henry's been uh, mayor for a while now, and now you got him on body camera footage, basically chiding these police police officers for doing their job, and saying, "Well, you guys work for me." Well, I mean, technically they work for the taxpayers of Fort Wayne, but that doesn't exempt somebody uh, from being arrested for you know attempted murder or or rape or something. You can't use the "Oh, I'm a taxpayer, you can't arrest me" excuse. That's not how that works. It's to protect and serve, and uh, they're trying to protect the public from a guy that was driving drunk, just happened to be the mayor. Um, it's a bad look, and ultimately it comes down to you as a voter, and I, I really don't 
again, I don't want to make this, you know, Democrat versus Republican, but if you're somewhere in between socialist and libertarian in your political beliefs, it's up to you to make a decision if you want this person to return or not. You know, you have to take a, you know an active role in primaries. You have to take an active role in elections. And if he happens to run again and win again, I mean, the voters get what they vote for. Uh, but it is very off-putting that a guy, a leader, would say this to officers just doing their job. And again, it, it proved my theory correct. That was the reason why he didn't want the footage to be dropped. That's just um, sad, in my opinion. It really is. Um, and, you know, the, the week later they made public uh, his wife's cancer diagnosis, which I think was to deflect a lot of any criticism that he would get for driving drunk, trying to win sympathy. And I, and I, I feel bad for her because she's in the fight of her life. And I wish her and him uh, all the luck, uh, all, all the sympathy in the world with this battle. But where I don't sympathize with Tom Henry is trying to use that to deflect attention away from his own woes. And, uh, yeah, this is just bad, what he said was saying to these cops. You know, and if you're a cop, I mean, how do you stay on the force? Why would you want to apply to be a Fort Wayne Police Department if you, if the guy um, who is basically entrusted to be a steward of the city thinks you're his own personal bodyguards? It's crazy. I'm sure it's not the only place that's happening, and I'm sure he's, it's not just a Democrat thing. I'm sure there's Republicans in towns that uh, are just as corrupt because, again, absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why you need limitations on them because they're people and they're, they're fallible. All right. I um, also wanted to comment real quick about this whole Elon Musk banning journalists on Twitter. You know, I, I will say this about him. I mean... He is a little flaky, and he does kind of come up with rules on the fly. Uh, I, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's in debate whatsoever. What gets me is like how the media is reporting um, these bans, and I don't think they should be lifetime bans. I think it should be kind of like a, you know, oh, you're not adhering to community standards, whatever the hell they may be. And I think Elon needs to flush those out a little better. But you know, you suspend them for a few days, maybe a week. And then bring him back. Okay. Um, but the, the whole thing has something to do with Elon Musk's private jet. And you have these Twitter accounts and these journalists retweeting this this thing. Uh, talking about where his jet is at all times. Doxing him. Basically making the public aware of where the hell this dude is. And, um, I don't, you know, if you want to go on Twitter and call Elon Musk an a-hole, you, you can do that. I don't care if you like him or not. But his own personal life, leave him alone. Because, you know, on that jet, it could be his mom, could be one of his kids. I mean, I know that uh, he's got uh, the stable family life of a Nick Cannon, uh, granted. But, I mean, it's not just him on that plane. You're putting him in danger, you're putting other people in danger, and it just goes beyond just, uh, well, I don't like this guy. And, you know, it, it seems like that this has become a nasty habit again, both left and right. Um, there's a woman uh, who runs the Twitter account Libs of TikTok, and what she would do is 
retweet and repost videos that are already out on the public of people that lean left and allow people on the right or whoever to react to these tweets. It's not like she was going into personal hard drives or revealing where they lived or anything like that. She was just showing, okay, this is uh, something they believe, this is some behavior they're into, and left it at that. Didn't do anything else. Um, and then she gets doxxed, I think, by a Washington Post reporter, reveals who this woman is, and the woman who runs lives at TikTok basically had to go into hiding because there are some angry people on the left that wanted to harm her. Flip side of that, somebody on the right got angry at this Washington Post writer for doxing her, and in turn doxed her. So now she's getting all these threats and it's like uh, it's dirty pool. And nobody should be threatened for anything. But I mean if you if you dox somebody, if you reveal private information about them, prepare to have that happen to you because you've changed the rules of the game. It's escalation. And that's why I'm not a big fan of that. I do believe in privacy. I mean look, if I saw either Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow having dinner at a restaurant here in Fort Wayne. Well, first of all, I'd be asking what the hell either one of them was doing in Fort Wayne, but I would, secondly, just leave them alone and let them enjoy their meal, regardless of what I thought of think about their opinions. Because, you know, they're off the clock. They they deserve some privacy. And, I, you know, if you hate Elon Musk, great, but just do it publicly, rent publicly, don't endanger his family. And I think, you know, this whole doxing thing is... A lot of crap and it puts people in harm's way now speaking of harm's way and free speech and by the way before I get too far off uh, base here uh, everybody's knocking Elon Musk for banning people who are doxing him calling him a free speech absolutist free speech absolutist is a bullshit term you either love free speech or you don't if you're either for the First Amendment or you're for censorship and I'm only against censorship I'm only for censorship if it is in favor of harming somebody physically, like doxing or yelling fire in a movie theater or making death threats about people either online or on television or whatever. But some, somebody speaking their mind and it hurts your feelings does not make them a free speech absolutist. It just makes them somebody exercising their First Amendment right. You know, that free speech absolutist sounds like something uh, they came up with over the water cooler at CNN, which nobody watches. All right, now, moving on to free speech and safety. Uh, Dave Chappelle is, a, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that leans left, but he's also a big dude on free speech, and he's said this. I mean, he, that's how he rolls, and I love the guy for doing it. Um, and as you recall back in May, I think it was May, you know, that some Netflix comedy special thing, uh, a guy charged the stage and tried to stab him, try to attack him. And, uh, you know, that's a scary thing. Again, somebody speaking their mind, you don't like their opinion. Oh, I just I want to try to kill him or harm him. And thankfully, Dave's okay. Uh, this guy got arrested, was charged, and uh, he was recently sentenced to 270 days in a county jail uh, for for basically trying to harm somebody, um, which this should have been a couple of years at least. Um, but what's even funnier, and I'm doing the air quotes thing here when I'm saying what's funnier, 
uh, he, he's already looking at charges for attempted murder of an old roommate of his a couple years ago. So this guy has got a prior to physical harm. Uh, and I don't think the two were charged. I don't think he pled, pled down to this just so he can plead guilty because the, the they're still trying to prosecute him. But this dude charged the stage and tried to harm uh, the rock star comedian of America right now. Uh, and it doesn't matter who he's really harmed, but are do we call these people censorship absolutists? I mean, that's, that's what it kind of comes off of as. Like, you cannot say this, therefore I will harm you. It's almost the antithesis of what uh, some of these people that are against absolute free speech are. But it's it's mind-boggling, to say the least. Um, and I hope to God we don't see more of this. All right, uh, moving on to somebody else who's in jail. Sam Bankman-Fried. Fraud. FTX. Fraud. Should go to jail as long as Bernie Madoff. Fraud. Uh, don't let any of the guards... Go on a nap break fraud. Um, I guess um, where he's being held, you know, they're trying to get him out, they're trying to bail him out, and uh, no dice. Uh, from what they're saying is like, uh, I think he's being held in the Bahamas, and they're they're kind of uh, griping some of his family and friends that uh, the uh, dietary conditions aren't conducive to his vegan lifestyle. Well, uh, he did cost people a lot of their money, and they're having trouble eating. So, my only advice to Sam Bankman-Fried is, you know, eat what the rats don't eat. Uh, you you deserve so much less than what they eat for what you did, man. Um, it it still boggles my mind that a guy who said he knew nothing about cryptocurrency was in charge of so much cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's in jail. Um, they they gotta they gotta make sure he goes to court, court without any problems. All right, uh, let's take a look at the uh, pop culture real quick here. Uh, da -da 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 -da, you know, movie talk. Yeah, movie talk. Um, I was actually kind of disappointed when I saw this earlier. Uh, Henry Cavill, uh, who was uh, Superman, Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Justice League. Uh, then he was not Superman, and then he made the surprise cameo at the end of Black Adam, I guess. I don't know, I didn't see it. And it looked like that they were alluding to the fact that uh, Superman was going to fight The Rock's Black Adam. James Gunn has taken over DCEU, trying to uh, get a solid bedrock of DC movies, uh, you know, a la Marvel and what they've been doing. Had a meeting with Henry Cavill after that exciting cameo, I guess, six weeks back, and Henry Cavill is out at uh, Superman. He's no longer the Man of Steel. It was just, it was uh, not to be, and that kind of sucks. Bittersweet, actually, should be the term I should use, because when I look at Henry Cavill, I thought he was a pretty good Superman. I think he's a great actor. I think he nailed a lot of the things that he had to deal with um, in the role pretty well. Um, but I was not a big fan of Zack Snyder's version of Superman or Justice League or Batman versus Superman. In fact, it's it's kind of mind-boggling because Gal Gadot um, and uh, Ben Affleck, Wonder Woman and Batman, respectively, both did very well in their roles. But just from a plot standpoint, it just all felt rushed. And now they're having to reboot the whole thing again. Maybe this is for the best for Henry Cavill, but I was kind of disappointed because I didn't want to see him suit up again and play Superman. Um... But, you know, he, he, I guess, lost out on The Witcher. He left The Witcher to become Superman again. 
and now he's out of a job, and now they're talking about how he's involved with a, a video game franchise. Um, it would be kind of cool if he would land the role of James Bond. I think he could pull that off pretty well. Suave ben Debonair, probably not as much of a downer as Daniel Craig's James Bond became. That franchise needs an injection. I think uh, Henry Cavill is the, the man for the job. It looks like a job for Cavill. Um, so there's uh, they're sputtering over there at Warner Brothers, a Time Warner, Discovery Warner, whatever the hell they're calling themselves. Disney Plus, or Disney in general, has been struggling. Bob Iger back in the saddle, and it's kind of weird how things are changing there. Uh, because it, when he left, and I'm not saying he's the most conservative guy in the room, because, I mean, when you're in the entertainment business, 99% of the time, you're not going to be any sort of conservative in the room. But uh, when he left and Bob Iger took over, it just seemed like uh, the inmates were running the asylum. And, um, you know, Disney started losing a lot of money, and a lot of the projects were kind of irking fans. Well, Indiana Jones 5 is now under the uh, stewardship of Disney. And it looked like it was a wrap. The Dial of Destiny. John Williams, who has uh, talked about how this is going to be his final project as a composer, legendary composer, of all these films for all these years, uh, said that uh, he's cutting some music for uh, scenes that they're recutting. They're, they're redoing some shoots, endings. And word around the campfire is that um, uh, there was a test audience that saw it, didn't like the ending because Indiana Jones died at the end. And he uh, uh, the role went to uh, his goddaughter. And they're not liking it one bit. That's the word, so they're recutting it. But, you know, there's been all sorts of rumors about this thing. But it's it's weird how that kind of uh, started happening. These uh, rumors uh, around the campfire start happening once Bob Iger returned to the helm. It's almost like they want to make money again. Wait and see on that. Uh, wait and see on Avatar 2, uh, Way of the Water, whatever the hell. Did well at the box office globally, $480 million. Uh, I think about 135 here stateside. But, you know, as, as I've always said... It's usually the second weekend that determines how well a movie is. Because you'll make all that money up front, but, you know, word of mouth, uh, getting people to get back in there. And Christmas weekend should help. You know, unless you're snowbound because of, uh, because of the apocalypse. Um, but, uh, you know, I, they're, they're saying it's a word of mouth movie, some of these guys, because they were expecting a little more money this past weekend. And it didn't bomb yet um but they're expecting a little more money but they didn't quite make as much as they thought it would so they're like it's a word of mouth movie you know titanic was actually a word of mouth movie because it was at the time it, it cost an ungod uh, unheard of amount of 200 million dollars to make but uh thank god for 14 year old girls who have a crush on leo dicaprio because that carried it for like two months and they kept going back and back and back and James Cameron looked like a friggin' genius. In some ways, he is. Some ways. And Avatar made a buttload of money. But that's the thing. is like, if it's a well-established franchise, it shouldn't be a word-of-mouth movie. It's not like The Dark Knight was a word-of-mouth movie. It was a follow-up to a successful Batman movie. And people knew it was going to be great. Um, so I, I'm wondering if they're using this word-of-mouth thing just kind of uh, to temper expectation. Yeah, again, second weekend. Might be third weekend. But then again, it's New Year's weekend after that. Hmm. It's like, 
Yeah, it's it'll be a, it, if it bombs. If it has a steep drop off for Christmas weekend, Hollywood's in trouble. Not just James Cameron. Hollywood's in trouble. Um, I did see uh, before coming up here tonight um, uh, the teaser trailer for Oppenheimer uh, during Sunday Night Football. The uh, new uh, the, the new uh, <laughs> movie from uh, Christopher Nolan. Sorry, it's getting late. And uh, Cillian Murphy is uh, uh, playing the aforementioned scientist behind the nuclear bomb. The big buzz about it is they simulated a nuclear explosion without CGI. I don't think they actually used the nuclear bomb, but uh, Christopher Nolan's tricky like that. And uh, I'm sure this will uh, generate quite a buzz. And, of course, people talking about why are you glorifying somebody that invented the atomic bomb. Well, I mean... Not necessarily glorifying. We don't know what the tone of the movie is going to be yet. You know, it's like you know people saying that Breaking Bad glorified making meth. No, not if you watched it. it if anything, it discouraged anybody from making meth. You know, those who are reasonable. Okay, I think that's about it for tonight. Uh, I was going to talk about Harry and Megan, but no, that might be next episode. Might be next podcast if I care. And again, uh, the uh, Year in Rock with me and Steve. That will drop um, Christmas weekend and New Year's weekend. Hope you enjoy that. And until next episode, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.